0: It was on a dim Monday morning that I made my way to a shabby old café downtown, in a strange desperate attempt to try to put some new meaning into my life. I'd worked hard at what should have been a good job, lots of advancement opportunities. Instead, I found myself stymied by my own introverted personality. I preferred to get the work done and cared little about office politics. I stayed out of trouble, but never got noticed. It felt like a curse. During some late-night internet sleuthing, I came across the shaman on some forums. Someone who took clients and gave them a change in fortune. There wasn't much detail about how they did this, but the people commenting seemed ecstatic at the changes in their lives. I discounted all of this at first, not one to simply take internet advice and act on it. Only, it lingered in my head. I couldn't shape the feeling that I needed something. A boost in my daily life to help me achieve my goals. Sitting in one of the café booths, I watched as my full cup of coffee slowly went cold, still and black, reflecting back my own face in the dark liquid. The waitress kept coming by to top off my cup, but found it repeatedly untouched. I declined to order anything additional, not really feeling hungry, more just nervous about what I was doing on some weird internet pilgrimage to a shaman. What was I even doing here? I started to stand up and leave when a voice from the employee's area called my name. The waitress was nearby, nodded to me, and motioned to see myself to the back. I left some cash on the table and walked to where I heard the voice. Passing through some beads in the doorway, it immediately became apparent they were trying to set some sort of mood. The lighting was very dim and the back room had been covered with several cryptic-looking symbols. Different animal skulls had also been set up all around. Not that I knew much about it, but a lot of this felt like a pseudo-sort of witchcraft. I sat in a wobbly wooden chair that had been covered in some kind of fake plants. If I wasn't already starting to have my doubts about this, I certainly did after the shaman entered the room. They were wearing some kind of lengthy robes, Mystical stitchings had been weaved throughout. They sat down in front of me and stared at me, putting out their open palm. I realized suddenly that they were expecting payment before we began. Right down to business, I guess. I stuck a wad of cash in the shaman's hand, which they took and stowed underneath the table immediately. They looked back at me then, a small smile on their face. What are you here for? They asked. Kind of an odd question, I thought. I was here for what everyone else had been. I'm not sure. I hear you can change people's lives, I said. I want to succeed. I want to come out of my shell. I want to win. shaman on the other side of the table smiled wider. Is that right? they asked. How exactly do you expect me to do that? I laughed then. Didn't I just hand this guy a bunch of my money? Why else do you hire a person? If I knew how to do it, I wouldn't be here paying some weirdo in robes. Change my fate, I guess, I said, shrugging and putting my hands up in a you-tell-me kind of way. Fate, they said. I don't particularly like that word. An oversimplification of the universe so that people who don't understand it can explain away all that happens around them. I stared at the shaman, not really understanding where this was going. "'I'm not sure I follow,' I said. The shaman sighed, waving a hand like the explanation was so trivial that everyone should know the answer. "'What you call fate is something you think is completely out of your control. It is absolutely within your control. You just don't have the will to see it. The simplest way to look at it is if I presented you with two doors.' Two decisions, if you will. The right decision may be obvious in some cases, others not so much. Regardless, it's up to you to choose a door and go through it. Those that don't are left to squander their potential. Sit idly by and wither away," the shaman explained. The explanation seemed a little more mythical than real. Surely life couldn't be boiled down to a million little choices, I thought. Like if I picked up an old penny from the road or not. Somehow, that one decision mattered in the overall grand scheme of the universe. "'So where do you come in?' I asked. "'How do you make things different or better?' "'Me?' they said, putting a hand on their chest. "'I'm the one that shoves you through the door, whether you like it or not. "'The door I push you through is going to be the best one, the most lucrative one.' "'What's the catch?' I asked. "'Catch? No catch?' they said, almost offended at the suggestion. I grant you the best possible outcome available, and that's all there is to it. The logical part of my brain was whispering to me that this was a bad idea. I should just get up and leave, work harder at my job, and maybe you'll be recognized in time. But a feeling of longing, the desire to overcome the challenges quickly, easily, was overwhelming. Okay, I said, how do we get started? The shaman smiled again, rising from their seat and heading toward a table in the corner of the room. They retrieved a wooden box from it. The box was old, painted black with an ancient-looking clasp on it. They opened it to reveal several small doll heads inside of it. The shaman picked out one and placed it in front of me. The face on the doll had a smile on it, but one of the eyes had been punched in. It looked as if it had been removed from its body by cracking the head clean off at an angle. The shaman hovered his hands over the doll, swaying them back and forth. He seemed to be muttering something under his breath as he did this. After what seemed like several uneventful minutes of the shaman doing this, they broke from their quiet muttering. It's done, they said. What's done? I asked. Nothing really happened. The shaman looked offended at this. It was clear they had grown tired of my skepticism, and with their job completed, it was time for me to go. Just rub the doll and make a wish for the outcome you desire, they said in a curt tone. This will push you forward, making the right choices for you, influencing everyone around you. Now I expect you can see yourself out the door. With that, they turned and swept from the room, further into the back of the building. Confused, I looked down at the doll in my hand. I had to have been ripped off here What a joke. I put the doll head in my pocket and turned to exit the building. Feeling like I'd been scammed, I made my way to work, eager to just work harder and put this embarrassing experience behind me. The drive to the office after this meeting was brutal. Traffic had picked up in the city, which was now in the grips of the morning gridlock. I cursed the waste of time that I participated in going to the shaman. I arrived at work. Later than I intended. Sitting at my desk, I looked over the mountain of emails that had come into my inbox. This included an all-hands meeting they had somehow missed because I arrived late. I groaned, realizing that this absence would not go unnoticed. Sure enough, one of my coworkers had arrived right behind me. Happy Monday, Ken, an overly enthusiastic voice behind me said. I spun slowly in my chair, knowing that the exaggerated greeting could only have come from one person. Morning, Mason, I replied, having trouble hiding my displeasure at finding him at my desk. Oh, not feeling well today, Ken, huh? He said sarcastically. Mason and I worked similar roles at the company, only he had the gift of gab, a way to schmooze the higher-ups and get preferential treatment. Most of his contracts were smooth sailing, pretty much locked in before he even touched them. I, on the other hand, had to work hard for all of the business I generated. Nobody gave me any handouts. He was probably one of the biggest reasons I now lamented the work I used to be so proud of. Maybe, just has not been a great morning, I replied. Yeah, I'd say so. The boss noticed you weren't at the all hands meeting this morning. Was it worth sleeping in, he asked. I wasn't, I started, but cut myself off there. Don't you have work you need to be doing? How's the Carlson account coming along? His expression darkened slightly. Though most of his work was cherry picked, I happened to know this particular assignment was not going as well as he expected. It's fine, he said curtly. Once I wrap that one up, I think the promotion will be in the bag. With that, he walked away, of course, not acknowledging that both. He and I were very much in the running for a significant promotion into a senior-level contract management position. As much as I desired the job, I wanted it even more so that I wouldn't have to see his smug face gloat about it for the next year, or worse, have me reorganized in the company to be his subordinate. I'm not sure I could even continue working for this company if that happened. His constant breathing down my neck would be maddening. I turned back to my screen and let out a sigh, as I remembered I still had this pile of emails to sift through. I closed my eyes then, leaning back in my chair. I put my hand in my pocket and was surprised to find the doll there that the shaman had given to me. What a waste of time that was, missed a meeting, putting my promotion at risk. I sighed again, thinking about what a fool I was to fall for such a gimmick. I closed my eyes, thinking about the promotion. Please, let me just have a chance at it, I thought to myself. I opened my eyes, trying to sense if anything had changed. I didn't feel any different. Pulling the doll out of my pocket, I threw it on my desk. Stupid thing, I said, maybe louder than I meant to. A couple people walking by looked over as I turned back to my computer and got back to work. A few hours passed with me mindlessly combing through the cornucopia of useless emails that hit my inbox. People started to gather for lunch after a while, all discussing what different kind of food they wanted to get. Mason usually liked to get crowds and head down in a group. When this happened, I usually wasn't invited. Like I'd want to sit and eat with him anyway. Deciding that I had missed too much this morning visiting the shaman, I stayed at my desk, eating a protein bar that stowed in one of my file drawers. I pressed on with the work in front of me. About thirty minutes later, several people ran by my desk, pounding footsteps, making the walls of my cubicle vibrate and shake as they passed. Out of curiosity, I stopped my work and stood, trying to find out what the commotion was. One of my co-workers was passing by, and I stopped them. Hey, what's going on? Why is everyone running around? I said, The expression on his face was grave, filled with concern. Something terrible's happened, haven't you heard? They asked. No, I've been... Never mind, what happened? I replied. Mm -hmm. It's Mason. On the way back to the office, he was hit by a car. He's banged up really bad. Ambulance on the way. Mm -hmm. Look, I gotta go, they said, before moving away from my desk and out of sight. The news completely shocked me. I fell back into my chair, astounded that such a terrible thing could happen. I stared at my cube, not sure how to process this news. Sure, I wasn't Mason's biggest fan, but I would never wish harm on anyone. That's when I saw it, the doll that I had thrown into my cubicle. It had landed somehow in an upright position, facing out as if it was watching me. There's no way this had anything to do with what happened. Just a crazy coincidence, that's all. I couldn't help but wonder, though, if something bigger was going on. I stood then, intent on joining my co-workers downstairs. I took another look at my desk, at the doll that had been sitting there. I grabbed it and shoved it in my pocket, then walked down the hall and away from my cube. Mason died that day. The entire office went into a state of mourning. The managers had to fill the role that... Mason and I had been considered for. I was brought into the office to be given the good news that I would be receiving a raise in addition to new responsibilities. I could tell the managers were sad, but part of me also knew that they wanted Mason for this role. It was disheartening, in a way, to know that I wasn't meant to be here. That evening, I returned home, pulling into my driveway surrounded by dry grass and dead plants. The drought had been tough this year on the neighborhood greenery, the sun seeping all moisture out of the ground and leaving it barren. I went inside and shut the door behind me, listening to the latch click into place, taking in the still silence of my small house. I was so tired, just flat-out exhausted from the mental anguish I was going through, thinking about what happened. I made myself a sandwich, intent on just eating it in my room and going to sleep. I flicked the light in the kitchen to shut it off, and dropped my plate on the floor, the sound of the porcelain breaking and piercing the calm silence. There were at least a dozen figures standing in my kitchen the second I shut off the light. I stood in stunned silence as I looked them over. It most certainly wasn't a trick of the light. Some were tall, some were short. Some were clearly male, others female, and they varied between long and short hair only I couldn't make out anything else. It was as if they were living shadows, having manifested in solid form. Coming to my senses, I moved my hand back to the light switch. Flicking it back on, all of the shadowy figures seemed to vanish, leaving only one behind. This one was clear, present, and was completely impossible. Mason was in my kitchen, standing straight up and looking at me. His body looked bruised and bloodied. His right arm and leg had been crushed, limbs going in odd directions. His jaw also appeared to have been smashed, hanging limply off his head. Unbelievably, he spoke then. "'What's the matter, Ken? Not feeling well?' he said, voice sounding as if it was coming from some far-off place. He lunged at me then, hands raised, as if he had no injuries at all. They closed around my throat, choking off the air in my lungs." I closed my eyes suddenly, wishing for the encounter to end. Suddenly the hands were gone, and I was released to the floor, landing on my knees. I coughed and gagged, recovering from the assault. I looked around desperately, tears still in my eyes. Nobody was there. I gasped in disbelief, not really knowing what to do. It made me a little bit of a panic. I ran up the stairs to my room, shut the door and locked it backing up and into my bed, staring at the door. Outside I could hear footsteps, several of them, moving all around the house. At several points in the night they would bang on my bedroom door. Suffice it to say, I didn't get much sleep that night, lights on and cowering in the corner of my room, afraid to turn my back to any open space. When the morning came, much of the banging and footsteps had ceased, leaving me in the still silence of my house. I opened the door of my bedroom slowly, the hinges creaking quietly, as I peeked out into the main hallway. No one was there. Gathering my things for work, I made my way quickly through the house and out the door. I needed to speak with the shaman again. That crook has to know something about what's going on. I felt the outside of my pocket to ensure the doll was there, and then made my way to my car. I don't even remember the drive there, completely consumed in my racing mind like going crazy. Or maybe I was being haunted by my dead co-worker. I grabbed my laptop bag and started to make my way to the building. It was then that a man in a baseball hat stepped out from the bushes on a path to intercept me. I glanced to my right in his direction, but kept walking, trying to pay him no mind. That's when the gun came out, pointed right at me. Empty your pockets, he said to me quietly. Yeah, I stuttered reaching into my pockets for my wallet and any other valuables. The man took my wallet when I pulled it out, but motioned for me to continue turning out my pockets. I put my hand in my front pocket and found the doll. A wave of fear hit me. I couldn't give him this doll. I needed it, I thought suddenly. I shook my head, realizing how crazy that was. But I had an overwhelming desire to hang on to the thing, if only to have it when I spoke with the shaman. Hurry up, they said, this time louder. I I can't, I said. What did you say? The man said, getting more agitated. He moved closer to me, gun still pointed in my face. I'm not giving it to you, I said, defying all notion of self-preservation. What the heck was I doing? This guy was going to kill me. I gripped the doll tighter in my hand inside my pocket. Please, just make him go away, I thought to myself. The man stiffened then, and he pulled the trigger of the pistol, only the gun didn't go off. He made a strange noise and the bullet didn't fire. He looked at the gun in his hand in shock. Crap, he said, looking at me now with fear in his eyes. He turned then, running away and out of sight. I was in disbelief. I should be dead, but I'm not. I pulled the strange little doll head out of my pocket and stared at it again. Calling this pure coincidence was starting to sound less plausible. I needed to get back to the shaman and get some answers. I entered my office building and made my way up to the company floor. I was still shaking a little from the encounter, unable to account for the incredible luck that the thief's weapon jammed in that moment. I didn't call the police. What could they really do now that he's run off? I couldn't spend any more time on the encounter and I needed to search for answers. When I reached my desk, though, the chair was turned toward the workstation, and someone was in my seat. I approached slowly, seeing that they were male, short brown hair and wearing a polo shirt. Um, excuse me, I said as I approached. They didn't answer. I crept a little closer, uneasy given my experience the previous night with unwanted visitors. Um, sir, you're sitting in my chair. Who are you? I asked, this time a little louder. The chair began to turn then. When I caught sight of this person's face, I stepped back, putting a hand on my mouth and taking in a breath. They had blood running down their face from a wound in their head. Part of their skull looked like it was missing, as if they'd been shot. Where'd he go? The person in the chair yelled out suddenly. Where'd who go? I asked. The guy in the baseball hat. He came into the store, stole from the register. I tried to watch where he went, but I don't know. I don't know. I don't, he said, repeating over and over again his story. The man's eyes rolled into the back of his head as he repeated the phrase over and over again. I closed my eyes again, holding them shut and wishing away the apparition. When I opened them again, he was gone and I breathed a heavy sigh of relief. I threw my computer bag onto my desk and turned to leave the building. I wasn't going to spend any time here while I needed answers. When I reached the parking lot, I found that my tires had been slashed. I groaned. Of course this happened. For a brief moment, I tried to think through who could have done this. The guy who tried to mug me, maybe? Or perhaps my coworkers who were upset that I received the promotion? Did it really matter? These things paled in comparison to the larger problem at hand. I went to the busy street to try and hail a cab, only none of them were picking me up. Getting frustrated, I felt for the doll in my pocket, wishing for one of the cabs to pick me up right away. One was about to pick up a woman just down the road from me. They darted away from her suddenly, though, heading straight for me. The woman put up her hands in exasperation, and then moved away from the curb and out of sight. I got into the cab in a hurry, instructing them to take me to the cafe. The ride was a bit surreal. I left that place angry, feeling like I'd been cheated. Now I was heading back there to beg for help, help with whatever I had unleashed into my life from this little doll head. I placed my hand on the bar handle that would open up into the cafe, apprehension taking over for a moment as I considered what I was about to do. I pushed open the door and took in the smells of the cafe food. The place was a bit more crowded than when I had visited, so the staff was occupied with serving customers. I casually walked toward the back room. No one in the cafe paying me any mind at all. I pushed open the door and quickly closed it behind me. The shaman was there, already visiting with another prospective client. They both turned to look at me, the customer in surprise. The shaman recognized me immediately, face turning dark. What are you doing here? The shaman shouted at me stepped forward, turning to the new client. ''Get out of here before this ruins your life, like it did mine,'' I said calmly. The customer looked from me to the shaman nervously, then got up and shuffled out of the room quickly. The shaman looked enraged, stepping forward to confront me. ''What do you think you're doing?'' they asked angrily. ''I need answers,'' I replied. ''I've been getting stalked by... I don't know what, ghosts, I guess?'' It can't be a coincidence that I came here and now this is happening. Shaman seemed to calm suddenly. A small smile crept across his face. So it's already happening. You use the doll then, I assume, he said. What exactly is happening? I asked, getting tired of the ambiguity in everything they said. Shaman motioned for me to take a seat at the table. Begrudgingly, I took the offer taking a seat in the wobbly chair covered in silly, fake plants. "'So, what have you been seeing?' he asked. I shifted uncomfortably in my seat for a moment. Recounting how he saw a ghost was probably one of the more unbelievable things to tell someone. Then again, I was talking to a self-proclaimed shaman. First, it was my coworker. He went to lunch and got hit by a car. Then a guy who looked like he worked at a convenience store. Both of them were injured bad, but they were talking to me still," I explained. shaman just sort of nodded along, that small smile not leaving his face. I put up my hands in exasperation. "'What is happening?' I shouted finally, completely frustrated. "'I told you the doll would push you through a door that would benefit you. Only you,' the shaman replied. "'Except you are not the only person in the world. Everyone around you is intertwined in a delicate balance. What does that even mean? I asked, completely confused. It means that while you get the best possible result of the change, someone else has to pay the cost for it, I suspect. They chilled off for a moment. These people are coming back for you, maybe for recourse. I sat quietly for a moment, allowing this news to sink in so I was being haunted by the people around me. Anytime I ask for a change, it changes for somebody else, disastrously. You've tricked me, I said, the anger seeping into my words. I gave you exactly what you asked me for, they replied. It's on you if you're too foolish or stupid to use these powers and not understand the consequences. At these words, I lost my temper standing and flipping over the table that separated us. The shaman backed up, raising his hands instinctively. Two waiters came into the room from behind me, flanking me and putting hands on my shoulders. It's all right, the shaman said. We're finished here. He was just leaving. The shaman approached me then, smiling wide. He came within about two inches of my face before speaking again. Good luck with your problem. Don't come back here again. He said. Then, motioning to the waiters who had their hands on me, I was grabbed and forced out of the room. Door to the cafe opening, I was forcefully thrown out the doors and onto the concrete. I got up slowly, rubbing my arms and dusting off my work clothes. I returned to the office, unsure about how I was going to concentrate on the rest of the day, but knew I had to get back to my responsibilities. I cabbed back to the office building. Entering the main lobby, I went and called an elevator to take me up to the floor I worked on. The heavy doors opened and I stood there for a moment, stunned. A woman was in the elevator, standing in the corner, only she was facing the wall and standing completely still. She made no attempt to exit the elevator. Sir, is everything okay? Asked the receptionist at the front desk. I turned and looked at her. She had an expression with a mixture of confusion and concern on her face. She clearly couldn't see the person standing in the elevator. Yes, just fine, I said. Have a nice day. I entered the elevator, sideways glancing at the creepy woman standing in the corner. The door shut, and the elevator started to move. The bell dinged as we went up one floor, two floors. Then suddenly the elevator seemed to slow and stop moving. Stuck on the third floor, I glanced at the woman, who was still standing in the corner, unmoving. I stepped forward to the control panel and tried to open the doors, but to no avail. That's when the woman spoke, hoarse and gurgling. I was waiting for a cab, she said. What? I replied, turning my head and looking at her. My blood went cold as she shook a little and continued speaking. I was waiting for a cab, but it skipped me. Decided to take the subway instead, she went on. Realization started to creep in. The cab ride I received after having used the doll, I remembered her. The woman the cab had passed up to come to me instead. I slipped on the stairs down to the subway. I fell down and tumbled, she said. Then with a horrible cracking noise, her head started to turn. It moved slowly and rotated 180 degrees to face me, the bones in her neck moving in unnatural ways. Her eyes were foggy and unseeing. Her mouth hung open. I don't remember how I got here. Where am I? She said. That's when the power in the elevator went completely out, throwing the compartment into darkness. My heart started to pound in my chest. I started to hyperventilate, Breathing in and out so rapidly my head was going faint, my body going into panic mode. I shut my eyes, begging for the image of the woman to go away, praying that the elevator power would come back on and I could get to my floor. I opened my eyes then, hopeful that this apparition would have disappeared like the others had. But she was right there, an inch from my face, mouth gaping open with drool dripping onto the front of my shirt. I yelled out then, hands going forward out of instinct and shoving her away from me. She was not just a ghost. I felt a solid body as I put all of my strength into shoving her away from me. The entity seemed to vanish into the darkness as it fell back into the corner of the elevator. As this happened, the power flipped back on, and the lights once again illuminated the elevator compartment. I was alone again. I looked around frantically, but she was nowhere to be seen. I felt down to my work shirt and saw that it was still wet from where the woman had drooled onto it from her gaping mouth. The bell of the elevator dinged again as it reached my floor. I rushed out of it and to my desk, not wanting to speak with anyone about where I'd been or what had just happened. I worked my day in silence, not wanting to stray my eyes from my computer screen for fear of seeing another one of the ghosts. When the day was over, I packed my things and got out of there as quickly as possible, this time taking the stairs. It was getting dark by the time I left the office. Having the cab home again, my jaw dropped as the driveway to my house came into view. The three ghosts haunting me were all standing in a line, illuminated by the headlights of the cab. I paid the driver without taking my eyes off of them. ''Dude, you alright?'' he asked. ''Yeah, fine.'' I said, barely acknowledging him. Grabbing my bag, I exited the cab and went up the driveway, head forward, intent on not acknowledging the ghosts. Fumbling the keys, I dropped them onto the front porch. As I bent down to pick them up, I saw the three people slowly walking up the pathway behind me. I picked them up quickly, jamming the key into the lock and turning. I opened the door and slammed it behind me, turning the knob for the deadbolt. I ran to my room and shut the door there as well, breathing heavy again. I was in an absolute panic. What was I going to do about this? Would doors and walls even stop them? As if to answer the question in my head, I heard a sound behind me, a cracking noise, like bones shifting and twisting the wrong way in a joint. I turned slowly, hoping in vain that I would not see what I was expecting. The woman from the elevator was there in the room with me, She had turned her head forward and was facing me in my room. "'What did you do to me?' she screamed suddenly. I wasn't sticking around to have that conversation, though. I went back through my room and into the kitchen again. Night had completely fallen now, the only light in the kitchen coming from the streetlights outside. I ran straight to the door, intending to run out of here. No idea where to go. No idea where to hide. I just couldn't stay trapped inside the walls of the house with those things.' only I never got a chance. I felt hands on my right shoulder, and I was shoved into the corner of the room. Mason had pushed me over and was descending on me. I could see others as well, the convenience store worker, the woman with the broken neck, and others, many, many others, people I'd never seen or known, all with various injuries I couldn't explain, somehow slighted by my changes of fate. They were nearly on top of me. Mason had a murderous look, intent on exacting his revenge on me. The others were also bearing down on me. I reached my hand in my pocket, as I'd instinctively done for the last couple days, finding the doll head in its familiar place. Please, help me, I thought to myself. That's when the explosion happened. My gas stove had somehow gone up in flames, igniting the gas in the lines. The sound was deafening, leaving my ears ringing and completely disorienting me. Several of the windows had been broken by the force of the explosion. The sound distracted Mason and the others, and the flames from the initial explosion consumed several of the figures, including the woman and the convenience store worker. I took this singular opportunity to jump out of the now broken windows, glass cutting my arms and legs as I did so. By some miracle, I made it outside and away from my pursuers. Ignoring all the pain, I stood and ran away from my house, which was now completely ablaze. As I watched, the flames were so strong they had caught the house next to mine on fire as well. The dry conditions of the neighborhood had turned it into a tinderbox. I reached for my phone to call for help, but I had lost it at some point during the struggle. The flames from the houses licked at the dry glass and trees igniting them rapidly continued to look on in horror as house after house began to catch fire and chaos began to take hold of the neighborhood. It wasn't long after that I heard the sirens. The fire department had shown up and were making every attempt to put out the flames, only it was burning too hot and they struggled to get the situation under control. As I observed the devastation, I began to see them. Shadowy figure after shadowy figure, slowly creeping out of the ground, coming out of the roofs of the burning houses from behind trees and bushes there was an army of them. In no time they had surrounded me, pressing in from all sides. Then they were on me, hundreds of hands, arms, bodies, completely smothering me. I tried to scream, but I couldn't, drowned out by the victims of my own selfish desires.